welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. This is your host, Light, the Light-Fingered Thief. And I'm your co-host, Logar the Barbarian. So, Logar, I've been traveling quite a bit. I've been getting lost in dungeons, got stuck in the forest one time, and now I'm trying to head back to the city. I kind of like getting stuck down in that dungeon to little, uh, little corners and nooks and crannies to explore. Yes, I know you like, you like the dungeons and the... And the, and the mega dungeons there's a lot of people in the city and, and and things get different there you have to interact with them that's true you gotta you gotta deal with the uh town guard you gotta deal with pickpockets and thieves you gotta deal with other normal folk we gotta deal with the uh the henchmen of, of whatever nefarious entity or power or baddie that i'm dealing with they usually That's have true. henchmen they usually have henchmen <laughs> and uh evil npcs of the Ooh. overlord or the, or the duke or the mayor or whatever it is of that particular setting so do you ever play a game and feel that you're kind of want to change it up a little bit that you're in the same setting and play you're constantly in a dungeon i'd like to do something a little bit different with this game yeah for sure i mean when we were growing up playing bx almost all of the games were dungeon delves or some type of crawl through a you know whatever 30 encounter room cave whatever it may be session and after a while you're like well you know let's try to change it up and do something else so that's why I think some of the more earlier 1E, 2E modules that are so cool are ones that um, expanded beyond just pure dungeon delving, you know? So with like Ravenloft, you actually had a, had a mission of some sort. <laughs> and I think well, that was very creative. What was cool and creative about Ravenloft is that you don't have the mission. It's not the same mission for every Ravenloft campaign that came with... Oh, yeah. came with these <laughs> tables and... The tables, and, you can mix it up. <laughs> and instructed you to use cards as tarot cards or something like that to figure out what the the goal and purpose and the dangers were there so it changed and evolved you could keep on playing it because of that i think that the second edition box set one of them or something like that actually came with physical tarot cards to do it with yep I don't think it was the main box set, was it? Was it another supplement? I can't remember. It might have been a supplement. I'm more familiar with the five-year one where they did release like a you know a full tarot set to help you. Oh yeah, I'm not familiar with the fifth edition version of Ravenloft at all. I haven't picked up that. <laughs> I, know, I just remember the AD and D second edition one. And as a setting, like all the different realms that came out in the in the 90s, like you have you have Dark Sun, which is oh, this is desert setting. Desert, we don't yep. have steel, we don't have very different than Ravenloft when you get into like more gothic, kind of bringing the the timetable that it reflects from history a little closer to where we're at in Ravenloft, living in a big mansion as opposed yes. to <laughs> exploring the actual lands of, uh, you know, the barony there. Yeah. And one of the cool things about the different realms is they did, they changed the setting up like spell jammers. Let's go to space in a sailing yeah, let's ship. Let's go to space in the ship. <laughs> So, you know, I like having variety and mixes in my adventures and modules. So, you know, with like the Hyperborea campaign, I try to mix it up and alternate. That way we don't want to do like, say, back-to-back dungeon crawls or back-to-back city crawls. You know, there's so much rich environment that we can play within our fantasy games with, you know, there's dungeon, there's Arctic, there's jungle, there's sea. You know, we've been, I think you and I have been talking about doing like a pirate adventure for for quite a while. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I would. I think I'd rather play the pirate adventure than run it. When I, I've got a few things to run pirate, I would do it. But I've never gotten that 
big burst of inspiration of that's the campaign that I think I can do real well yet with the pirate thing. But a few adventures. Yeah, a few adventures. I mean, we don't have to do, like you said, a full-blown campaign with it, but just having mixed-in adventures, I think, will um, make the game more interesting and create the world and flesh it out more fully. So that's why I think trying to mix it up that way, there's no repetitive, okay, now we got to go through another 60-room mega dungeon, or we got to go through another city political conflict, let's say, with wherever the local Lord and Baron are. Yeah, I'll be 100% honest, though. Like, if I found out that I could play through a mega dungeon eight hours a week, which is the solid eight hour worth of game time (laughs) once a week, every week, and I could just mega dungeon crawl, I would really get into that. The best ideal point would be me back in 1995 sitting around a kitchen table chain smoking drinking coffee all night playing through the- <laughs> and <laughs> having that dungeon delve non-stop like yeah this is but that ain't happened i can't even smoke inside now <laughs> yeah well you know that, that was then when we were much younger you know maybe in the future after we're all retired and uh, have a lot of free time we can do like a eight hour 12 hour session yeah. like we used to in the in the D and D retirement home, we're gonna have to build us exactly. <laughs> but you know, I think it's good to have uh, you know different mixes and environment. You know, like they say, with any game, it needs to be a good combination of you know, role playing, R O L E role playing, not dice rolling, but role playing, uh, combination of role playing, uh, combat, and then exploration or investigation. So you know, there's some modules that are like almost like a mystery solving. Sherlock Holmes type of module, which I think is fun. That would be more role-playing and investigation, probably less combat. While your traditional dungeon delving will be probably investigation and combat, but investigation in looking through rooms is looking for traps and such. But I like my investigation where you're trying to deal with NPCs and people, which has an element of role-playing, which is why I like Call of Cthulhu a lot, because Call of Cthulhu is like very low on combat but very high on role-playing and investigation. You know who does a good job with this stuff and always has, and I'm going to give a shout out to, is Paizo. I've, I, I may have, I, and I think I said it before, I've found the system a little difficult to run sometimes because it does have a lot of rules. And I ran Rise of the Rune Lords. But what I, there are elements of what Pathfinder and Paizo has done that I really like and appreciate and think is some really cool stuff out there from them. One of the things that they did, Rise of the Rune Lords was kind of the first published adventure path they did in the manner that they do. Before that, they were publishing Dragon Mag and a lot of the adventures that were being fleshed out and those stories were coming out in Dragon Mag articles or Dungeon Mag as well. But what they ended up doing there was they'd do a whole entire campaign over six months. They'd release a new book or a, for a couple levels, and you'd get six books that has a whole adventure path. And each adventure path would kind of correlate with other books coming out. So you have a book on magic. You have a book that includes downtime things like strongholds yep. and stuff like that. Or you have a book, hardback book coming out that includes the planes, planar travel and usually what you'd get alongside is an adventure path that leans into that and what's going on there and you explore those elements of the game like this element of the game we're going to explore mass combat because that book came out so this is going to be leading more to that and it was cool 
because it does each adventure path kind of gives you a new element so it doesn't get stale and old and feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again great marketing tool to keep it fresh that way when you're trying to sell more books <laughs> sure and i think that's uh like you said an interesting strategy with a set adventure path of let's say six modules in that campaign they've built that in for you already as part of their releases so that there's a new element in each module, like you said, that you can experience and try and that's new and interesting and that you can add into your fold as well too for ongoing. The only, like the one thing is that that's a certain kind of play because it's very directed and there's certain, a lot of, oh, the stories are planned. These are the things that go on. It's a little bit railroady. <laughs> it's definitely not, it's definitely not going to be in the sandbox realm of things. It's going to be a different style of game that I feel. But those are games that I've enjoyed and had fun with they really flesh out characters. They do well from my experience of creating NPCs that stick around and are memorable as well as locations. I think that the world that Pathfinder put out is a really solid one. There's a lot of good stuff out there for it. Yeah. So something like that, you know, they've done the work for you, but as you mentioned, it might be a little bit more railroady versus a hex crawl sandbox from um, allowing the players to make choices on where they go next and what they do next. Yeah. One of the things I appreciate about pathfinders world as opposed to the old ad and realms is that they all exist in a physical world together you don't have to go to another realm to find it you don't have to travel a dimension it's just we have a diverse world and this is what it's like whereas dnd was like there's a realm we have to go over to another realm to planescape which is between the world like right. why not have all these different styles of cities around the planet why not have all these different cultures and different you know, dark sun, there's a desert over here. We can go up there and do the dark sun stuff and see how conditions have changed there from deep south, wherever you're at, the inner sea where the colonial empire rules, you know? Right. Yeah, it should be able to exist, like you said, all in the same universal world to be able to play in. Yeah, and so. Lost Lands does that as well. I really like the Lost Lands setting because all those different genres of fantasy exist. It's just different places within the world that you're living in. You don't have to leave this reality for another one to find them <laughs> right yeah exactly and a lot of times you know traveling in between these places you know going from a desert to an arctic obviously you gotta travel pretty far but we'll just redline it sometimes and be like okay you just travel a couple of weeks and now you're there we don't have to play through every day of travel just to get there no doubt and to be honest a lot of times the travel itself we want to go past but then there is the hex crawling and sometimes that wilderness travel is kind of what the dm is trying to bring to the table that's not always the adventure if we had to play it out every single day you went through long travel it can get boring and tedious and in order to spice it up you might derail where you're trying to get to because that happens a lot i mean but then again derail implies that it was railed there in the first place i guess <laughs> <laughs> no i mean you have brought up an earlier podcast where you've used uh, random encounters during the travel to create like a little sub adventure side quest Yes. as well too so certainly there's ways to mix it up and spice it up so that it's just not like okay you're three days in a row on, on the road traveling you gotta roll whatever two random encounters you get attacked by orcs on one and brigands by the other and you know rinse and repeat you know something like that's not too exciting right it's yeah same thing but you know you spice it up with some interesting side quests where you encounter you know like the like the elven baby <laughs> that was left over from a brigand attack you know something like that makes it more interesting well, running that Forbidden Lands when I ran that, that was essentially like, yeah, we plopped y'all into a city, 
but there was no planned adventure there. It was whatever you found to get through. And it was written so well that you knew the different things that the players could get into if they followed down those paths. And let's see where it went. The players took me places I did not plan for them to go in that game. <laughs> it often happens. It often happens. And, and uh, some of those adventures are not written that way. Uh, like with the Pathfinder ones, they're not written as... as they're not as easy to use if the players just go out of left field. It's like, oh, now I have to fix this in order to fall. Like, oh, they just let him go. Right. Where they take it. Yeah. Knowing the world around you is a better way to approach as a DM, I feel. Knowing the, the places, the people that they're going to be interacting with, knowing the environment, the social political, like how people are going to react. Those things, I think, are more important in run in dming so that you can respond and know how this world would interact with the players and anything else and going from environment to environment sometimes it's not as easy to quickly oh now we're in a city you got to pull out a whole new city right. <laughs> you got to find that from dungeon to city so sometimes you got to pre-plan a little more to to go with some of those so you want to know ahead of time when you're going into that different environment to have time to plan it yeah for sure you gotta you know have your game material prepped beforehand but I think, you know, as you map out your overarching campaign for your game, if there's a certain theme, you can certainly intersect at the right moments in terms of, okay, at this point, we're going to go into, like you said, a dungeon. Or here is going to be a travel through the whatever forest. Or here, we're going to be doing some downtime inside the city. So breaking it up, you know, even within your campaign, it can be mapped out. Like you said, you just got to prep for it. So, you know, typically I'll have at least one city adventure encounter prepped at any time in case you guys decide to bounce into a city for some reason as well as some other you know encounters out in the you know what i would call the country a non-city <laughs> you know environment oh yeah and here's the thing it's easy to reskin things that you're running into so like take a city let's say you've got that city figured out a few npcs and a few locations and that city is some sort of I don't know, Russian right. <laughs> inspired setting. And it's easy to throw it into the desert and just say, Hey, it's a desert. Now these characters live here. They, the houses just look different. They're Adobe huts. Instead yeah. Right. <laughs> of, instead of, you know, it's easy to do that. And just, so you don't have to, everything doesn't have to be solid and stone. Um, reskinning is a thing. Take a, take a dungeon and reskin it as a spaceship sci-fi. Just say yep. the walls are mechanical and everything you're interacting with isn't magic, but in fact, technology making this happen. It's easy to reskin and run with stuff. If yeah. you already have a few things planned, you can switch it up. You can switch it up. I mean, I, re you know, I, I reskin a lot of stuff for our Hyperborea campaign to fit the Hyperborea environment because the Hyperborea world is mostly humans. There's no goblins and kobolds and orcs per se, so you just reskin it that way but the adventure still plays <laughs> what was the name of the adventure that you use i believe it was a castles and crusades adventure where there were the towers yeah. could you was... tell us a little bit about reskinning that what the differences were between what you ran and what the adventure had yeah so that was uh i think called chaos untouched which was a castles and crusades adventure it's the adventure is actually a prelude to uh gaxmore oh so you actually you're supposed to you're supposed to encounter that encounter that chaos untouched uh, area as you're on your way to Gaxmore. So it's actually, you know, one of the preludes to the city of Gaxmore. But in that particular adventure, since it was within the uh, CNC Gaxmore universe, there's a lot of fantasy 
monster elements where you do have orcs, you do have dark elves. So pretty much all the dark elves I turned into Hyperboreans. <laughs> ah, <laughs> right. So instead of the drow, they're Hyperboreans, and then instead of um, orcs, they were your normal, you know, take your pick, Pictish or Chimerian guardsmen. Then right. So yes. that's how we uh, reskinned it for that particular game, and um, I thought that game fit into a weird science, weird fantasy type of uh, Hyperborea game. So that's why I decided to reskin it for our Hyperborea campaign, but substituting out some of the elements of where there are no Dark Elves in Hyperborea. There are no orcs. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to that module because I thought that was a really good module that was really fun. I believe that should be available not just for Castles and Crusades, but they put a lot of their adventures out for 5th edition as well. And I know Gaxmore is definitely has a 5th edition book out for it. I've got the older Castles and Crusades version of Gaxmore, but they also have, and Gaxmore is done by Luke Gygax, correct? Isn't that who put that out? Uh, I think Ernie and Luke both worked on Gaxmore. So I have, I have both, you know, the, like you said, classic CNC version as well as the uh, 5e version. And I think Chaos and Touch should be available as a PDF off of the Troll Lords, Troll Lord Games website. And they always sell, um, they always have physical copies of a lot of their adventures for sale. In fact, some of them have seen multiple repeats over the over the years, or, or not reprints. Some of them have received multiple reprints over the years with like different covers or updated covers. So usually if they put one out, you're able to find, especially the stronger ones. So I'm going to say that that's probably available on their site. Well, if I can, <laughs> right, yeah, what, 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 what a check. I mean, I just picked, I picked up a hard copy at gateway. So yeah. And a lot of their modules aren't too hard to find on eBay either. So, and the other thing too, was unique about that and changing up the setting is yeah, it's a city setting. But it's not, a, it, the game wasn't a city that was populated and thriving by like merchants and people who are, you know, an ordered mayor and stuff like that and all the civilians because there was some sort of war that had occurred and there was right. conflict. So a lot of the city was in ruins. So it's not quite a dungeon crawl, but there are military forces that are in conflict with each other that exist throughout the city. So we had to maneuver between these different sides that we didn't really have a side. Right, you're playing two or three sides. <laughs> we'll decide whose side we're on when it becomes convenient for us. So it became an interesting, fun thing to explore, especially going between the sides, trying to figure out, oh, what side are we on in this conflict? And how is this going? Yeah, so it's called Chaos Touched. It's available for PDF on DriveThru right now. But you know, the point that you bring up about having some different factions within the game, I think that's what also makes the game interesting because... You can be in a mega dungeon, but you might have like three or four factions in that mega dungeon or city. So which side are you going to play? Which side are you going to help? What side are you going to play all sides? <laughs> which side are you on, boys? Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to come, I came up. I have this horrible thing where I, I, when we're playing games, when I hear a phrase that reminds me of a song, then it, um, the song pops into my head. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just happens in general when I hear a phrase, a song pops in my head. And often when we're playing, I'll get a song stuck in my head for the entire night from something so sad. <laughs> but I'll get back to our environments. So but, are there any environments that you've 
not ran or not played through that you think would be interesting to explore and run or play through that you've not had a chance to yet? Yeah, so I know with our Hyperborea game, my plan is to run through a uh, Arctic campaign with Vikings as well as a campaign through historical Aztec Mexico, Latin America type environment. So both of those are on my list right now for us to play in the future. I've got, I've got the, uh, well, I guess this is more of a setting thing, but I've got that big, uh, the Northland saga that yep. Frog got and put out. Yep. And they have Likewise. all the modules <laughs> for it. And there's some, I've actually, I've got the Pathfinder and the Swords of Wizardry edition. Oh, I just have the Swords <laughs> of Wizardry. So, you know, my plan is to play through a couple of the modules of the Northland saga at some point, as well as, you know another one from frog gods they've got a few modules out that are newer uh that fit into the northland setting as well that i found that i believe that ken spencer i believe his name is actually he's a pretty good dm i got a chance to play in one of his games i believe that's who wrote those books i'm not 100 sure i know he had something to do with one of them his name is ken spencer i believe i hope i'm not i hope i'm not misremembering his name he also did the Rocket Age game that oh, okay. was put out yep. by Cubicle 7. And I got a chance to play in one of his games. And he's a really good DM. I had a, I had a lot of fun there. But he's the one who put out those uh, Northland Saga, I'm pretty sure, at least some of the adventures for them. There's some good ones. There's some good ones out there, and it helped mix things up quite a bit in terms of the environment and the cultures that we're playing in. So for me, it's part environment and also part culture. You know, we're not just going to stay oh, yeah. in the same generic fantasy. <laughs> Tolkien culture. <laughs> they have a very interesting way that the culture is handled in Northland sagas is that they have something called, what is it called? The thing. Have you read uh, this? Yeah. They have, they have things and then, the you know, thing, T-H-I-N-G, the thing. Oh, no, no. I haven't. Yeah, it's called the thing. It's how they order society. It's like a gathered group of elders or whatever that work in some sort of consensus and or democratic fashion to make decisions. And everybody has an equal footing and say when you come to the thing. It's a very interesting process that they organize up there with that would be fun to see in game. You might really have to know your different um factions before factions, yeah going into the thing because there will probably be conflict resolution in there and you're gonna have to know how to maneuver that <laughs> yeah. who wants what it's cool it's in the northland saga book they talk about the thing it's that's a huge book though how many pages is the source yeah. of wizardry one is smaller than the others and it's still massive <laughs> yeah so i think you know part of me for changing the environment is the physical environment as well as the uh, cultural environment which I think will bring some interesting twists to the game, like you said, in terms of how are we going to deal with the local powers and the factions and the NPCs and, and such, because, you know, you can't brute force your way through everything. You're going to have to work with <laughs> the locals, right? So definitely you're going to have to, you can't be, you can't be, we can't be just killing everything left and right. And if you have an established culture up there and you got a bunch of, uh, murder hobos it's my game i'd be like oh no you gotta kill everything you might have to face some repercussions here there's there. gonna be some who repercussions killing when? Yep, who exactly. killing when <laughs> it's kind of a big thing in that definitely if you're going into towns and villages just killing people because you didn't like what someone said you're probably gonna have problems <laughs> yeah Whereas for sure going into the dungeon that's fine you can kill what you run into so the setting changes what the social expectations are <laughs> yeah for sure because you know one of the uh, most you know, famous BX modules was uh, the Isle of Dread. So going to this 
lost island encountering the local indigenous folk as well as like dinosaurs and stuff so for me it's an interesting module you know i'm probably gonna do something similar to hyperborea more in the context of getting the go to monster island and chase around dinosaurs and stuff but um you know we had an episode on colonialism here shortly so it's one of those that i struggle with because when you go to the island you are pretty much a behaving like a colonizer yeah you get out there and interact with the locals that live there and the, the dinosaurs definitely have different social norms than us as well. Yeah, one of those that uh, the dinosaurs, you're probably not going to be able to fight straight up because they will probably crush you. <laughs> they will destroy you. Depending on what level you are and what edition of the game you're playing. Some of those games, you run into a dinosaur and it's like, slash, slash, you're dead in three shots. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, it depends on what you're playing playing some old BX or something, the dinosaur is probably going to be a little rougher on your player characters. Yeah, for sure. And you're playing one of the more third edition, later structured games. Fighting a dinosaur might not be as much to your character. Fireball it. You fireball the dinosaur. Yep. I mean, honestly, in our Hyperborea campaign, in that using AD&D, I know our magic user is a powerful character right now. Can kick some butt. He may not be able to take a lot of hits, but he can annihilate something. He can. So I do have some... Um further adventures plan as well too where we're gonna have an adventure which is gonna, gonna be pretty much like the bruce lee movie enter the dragon yes where uh, everyone's gonna have to travel to an island for a like a wizard's duel <laughs> and Code jake will be <laughs> the one going there <laughs> oh no all these evil sorcerers i don't trust them <laughs> oh, it's, it's not evil it's just a comp you know competition on the uh you know very much like uh game of death enter the dragon type yes. of uh <laughs> That's one of the uh, the things in the barbarian class descriptions. You don't trust sorcerers and magic users, considering them evil and questionable. And I have, uh, yeah, exactly. I and need to play that up. Be, that's what's gonna I'll play that up there. And that's what's gonna make the adventure interesting, because you know, even though you know the magic user is gonna be the uh, competitor in this competition, all the other players are needed to be able to f- get out of the get off the island alive essentially <laughs> and so oh we're gonna have to take on a bunch of magic users oh no logar is not gonna like that logar uh, the barbarian <laughs> logar is gonna have to hang around a bunch of magic users on this island he's gonna be frustrated and i'll get out but oh was it a mistake for me to use my character's name in the podcast as my name <laughs> <laughs> logar the barbarian logar the barbarian but you know again this is an example of change up in environments and games you know i've been wanting to run like a competition style game uh, not necessarily as slave pl- slave pick gladiatorials but a competition where you are competing against other npcs in some contests right so yeah it's a little more mortal combat than uh under the dragon right power is <laughs> shooting cold jake with his ice powers ice, ice, ice powers <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure one of the big Mortal Kombat characters had that exactly, didn't he? Sub Zero. <laughs> yeah, I've never been a video game player, but I've been aware of like that game. I remember it was in the arcades, and yeah. I remember there being movies. I think I tried to watch one that recently came out. Uh, I may yeah, have fallen not, asleep pretty not early so, on it. Yeah, the, the, the most recent one was not so good. They did a couple in the in the nineties that were so so, but the 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 latest one was. Uh... Oh, I didn't realize there was more than one in the 90s. I thought there was just a one in the 90s. <laughs> I, uh, I think there was two in the 90s, and then hmm. there's one recently, like a year or two ago. But Yeah, uh, when that one came out, I think that came out during the COVID stuff. It came yeah. out on HBO, big releases, I remember, because yep. uh, 
uh, Pearl, my spouse, she's really into uh, some of that and kind of was into that stuff. And she wanted to watch that when it came out. But I, yeah, I didn't. I, I sometimes have a hard time making it through a full movie. That's a ramble. <laughs> Without falling nope. asleep. I'm all. I, I feel you on that one. But anyways, <laughs> you know, again, you know, there can be different types of uh, game objectives and missions which help change change things up in terms of the environment as well too so that's why i have a long list of different types of modules that i or ventures that i want to run with the hyperborea group to you know again mix it up and give a different look to things you know one of the fun things about running through rifts when i've been running that is the fact that there is so many places and things that you can go with it they just threw the everything in the kitchen sink at it and suddenly next thing you know like your options of changing up environments and situations and types of games changes drastically like we went from something that was pretty much a dungeon crawl into a railroad into we would do next thing you know we were in the desert and they were hanging out on like little farm oasises in the desert that these people had made and discovering different things left and right. And part of the interest of the game is the different settings that we're hitting right now in that Rifts game. It's not as much set up and built up like I would with a classic BX or Osric AD&D game. Uh, settings have a big part of it and changing them up and going to the different places there. You can go down to the Dinosaur Swamp. Yep which is more of an Appalachian um, sort of post-apocalypse type area with dinosaurs. <laughs> yes, journey to the center of the earth. <laughs> yeah, like there's so much to do there. And having just, I like being able to do it so gonzo with so many crazy things, being able to throw at it and change it up. And something like Rifts makes it really easy to change settings and to change what you're interacting with quick on a dime. In a fantasy world, you can still do that. But it's probably going to have, you have to consider what's going to work there. Depends on how gonzo you want to go. <laughs> when right. I say gonzo, that's the term I've been hearing lately. I've used this term forever. I used it. I used to run the website Gonzo Times. <laughs> so gonzo's a term I've been using forever. In this usage of it, I mean, kind of throwing all the crazy weird stuff at it from science fiction to who knows what, just anything you throw everything out like the kitchen sink and go with it and I, and I think like you said it's more difficult with traditional fantasy games but if you look at some of the science fiction games if you're on a spaceship your environment can change quite rapidly you know you can have an adventure on the spaceship by itself as a self-contained encounter or you can have spaceship battle you can have travel to new planets which are totally different environments so yeah, that's the one game I would I've been wanting to play for many years and I have not gotten the chance to run is a Star Drive campaign for Alternity, which would be set in the lighthouse. And one day we're going to get to this game. I'm going to run through the modules, but the lighthouse is great because it's an ancient space station that travels from from uh, like from planet to planet on a rotation so you can set yourself in this lighthouse you can explore it almost like a dungeon crawl and find all the ancient secrets in an ancient spaceship and you can go out to the planets and interact with us like it's it would have a lot of options to change like that running a game like that i think that would be fun yep that'd be fun i think you were talking about doing the, <laughs> the expanse at one point as well too i don't think i've looked at doing the expanse yet i've not looked at the system there's a lot of, i love the expanse um, I think that if I did something with Alternity, it may be, I'm, and I did my own thing, I would be closer to the Expanse, perhaps. Right. I don't know about the Expanse system itself. I've yeah. not taken the time to look at the Expanse role-playing game, to be honest. I've looked yeah. at it and I haven't 
pulled the trigger, but I love the books. Yeah, maybe not the system, but more of the environment and the world that it lives in. And we can use one of the standard alternative systems or something else. But, yeah. you know, you play it within the expanse world itself. Um, good. Oddly, I think that I really do feel that the alien system and Coriolis would go well with the expanse as well. And so would Mothership. I think if I were going to go expanse, I'd be looking at Mothership and and or year zero games to pull that yeah, off our, at this our, point because it's simpler <laughs> are we supposed to be playing mothership here sometime as a one shot soon yeah i'm gonna i'll put out a date for that within the group and okay. we're gonna be doing a one shot i'm not 100 percent ironed out what i'm running but i've been looking more into it reading more stuff and then once i pull the you know trigger like that's what i'm gonna try out we'll do it so nope, that'd be good because you know we even within other games like we've talked about fantasy sci-fi Rifts with which is a you know gonzo mashup, but even within like Call of Cthulhu, even though Call of Cthulhu takes place on Earth, real Earth, there's many different areas that you can explore, especially if you're playing like more Pulp Cthulhu. You know, you can go everything from the murder on the Orient Express where you're on a train, very similar to the content that you just mentioned, where you know your train is your home base and there's stuff happening on the train, but you travel to different cities, or you can explore you know Asia or Africa. Uh, beyond just exploring you know your traditional you know boston arkham <laughs> i mean you know. one of the things too is with call of cthulhu some of the difference in environment is the era you're playing in it is dark ages dark ages 20s in, 1920s invictus gas like london so there's a lot of uh, variety even within call of cthulhu I think because of that, it may be a really good one to run shorter campaigns or individual event closed end. So you can jump around and check out different places with horror might lend itself really good to that. Instead of a long lived campaign where these characters we have have to experience this throughout time. Now we can probably pick up some new characters for it and stuff like that. No, it's on my list to try to run Cthulhu Invictus Dark Ages at some point, as well as um, Cthulhu down darker trails which is the western that dark age is cthulhu i'd really like to play like yeah, i'd really that, like to play in that that could be fun i think that would be a cool game i don't know why i'm interested in like doing some dark age horror type games one of the games i've never played but always wanted to play was vampire the dark ages i think it was called that came out in the 90s i wasn't a big vampire player but that dark age is always ah, this could be interesting and i feel about the same about cthulhu the dark ages as well <laughs> i'm curious yeah. Never played that game. Nope, no. But again, a lot of different source book settings, environments, however you want to call it, even for just Call of Cthulhu, so you're just not stuck doing the same investigative type of stuff over and over within, within Ark of the City or at Miskatonic University type of thing. Yeah, it's okay to roll up new characters and try something different with it. Still playing the same game, just in a different era. Why not? You don't have to. You're not, you're not, you're not stuck to having to do this as a long campaign with these you know, that's that you don't have to do that. You can break away and roll up new characters quick and do another thing. We're about out of time. Well, that was fast. Yeah, we might have to cut five minutes off this one. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. Follow us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards or blog is wobbliesandwizards.com and keep those dice rolling. And you roll high no matter what environment you're playing in.